Welcome. You're listening to The Aligned Self, conversations in creating a conscious and abundant life. This is Daniel DeNovi. I'll be your guide and host. Let's see just where we can take this. Hello, friend, and welcome back to The Conversation. In today's episode, I'm answering a question from Jacob, one of our listeners. He wrote to me, I've been doing Law of Attraction for the last 10 years. I've followed Abraham Hicks. I've listened to all the Proctor stuff, Wayne Dyer, Deepak Chopra, just about anything I can get my hands on, I've followed on Law of Attraction. Sometimes I get it right and my intentions manifest before me. Other times it's just missing the mark. Well, not just sometimes, most of the time. So my question is, what could I be doing wrong, and what can I do to get better at Law of Attraction? Well, the short answer is nothing. You cannot get better at Law of Attraction. And you might be asking, Daniel, what do you mean by that? Because you have a course, don't you, called Badass Manifester? If I can't get better, what's the point of taking the course? Well, this is where we're going to talk about subtle distinctions, and many times the subtle distinctions make all the difference. They are the difference that make the difference. Now, Jacob wrote it in his question. I've been doing Law of Attraction for the last 10 years. One does not do Law of Attraction. Law of Attraction is a law of the universe. Like attracts like. So there is nothing to do. There are no actions to take What shows up in your life is a direct reflection of what you are focusing on. And so there's nothing to do. You can't get better at that. The universe just delivers the vibration that you're sending out or delivers that which is in alignment with the vibration that you're sending out, the way you are being. And so it has really nothing to do about what you're doing, but it is all about how you are being in the world. How are you showing up? The universe does not deliver what you want. It delivers who you are. It delivers according to how you're showing up. So could you be more intentional about your thinking? Yes. Could you be more intentional about your emotional well-being? the vibration and frequency that you're projecting, broadcasting out into the world. Yes, you can be more intentional about that. The way to become a more intentional manifester is to be more in alignment with your authentic nature. Let me explain that a little further. Most children, when they're born into their bodies, they come in relatively unscarred. They are the epitome of joy and happiness. If they're fed, if they're getting enough sleep, if they're getting enough cuddle time, typically they are projecting feelings of joy and happiness. They are in love with being alive. They're in love with learning. They're in love with just being on the planet, crawling from here to there. If we could maintain that emotional state, we'd be set. If we could maintain that well-being, maintain that emotional well-being, we would attract everything that we desire, the good stuff. But what happens growing up as a human being, we tend to take on beliefs, ideas about who we are that are less than magnificent. We encounter circumstances in traumatic events where we create an identity or an aspect of ourselves. I've referred to that as subpersonalities. 
And those aspects of self are based on survival, on getting through stressful events in the most magnanimous way possible. And many times there is a defense mechanism or a strategy, a coping skill that is created that gets in the way of you fulfilling or attracting that intention into your life. There is a lack of alignment, coherence, or congruence between our thoughts, our emotions, and our actions. In my experience, one of the fastest ways to elevate your powers in attracting that which you desire, that which you want, is cleaning up the past, healing the past, developing a relationship, a working relationship with your past. Now, many times people do not actually address the circumstances that occurred in their past, giving birth to subpersonalities or different aspects of ourselves that essentially have a different agenda than other parts of us. And because those parts were typically created at a time that we felt less empowered, less joyful in life, and some of those experiences have been downright painful, we tend not to want to look there. We tend to try and explain it away. Uh, I've risen above it, or I've See, that's where we're taking the spiritual bypass. And I've talked about that in the past. We have a hard time actually being present to those mucky muck feelings. And as a consequence, we push it aside, put it on the back burner, but it's still there. The influences that have you know shaped our thinking, shaped our behavior, is still there, still on that back burner, still off to the side. And we have to go back and address it. That's one way of dealing with the past. The other way, we could just recognize that everything that has happened in the past has been a story. Anything that we recall from the present is a reimagining of our present state of mind. Essentially, we're recalling something from the past that has gone and over, but we're bringing it back to the present to create the next moment. When we can become present to the knowing that we have power in that, we do not have to recall the past any way whatsoever. We can live from this moment as if we're brand new. This moment is brand new, and it is. It is brand new right now. The past does not dictate what is going to happen next. And so if you've come to an awareness of mind that the past is a figment of your imagination, then you can release it and be totally present in the moment and create from this moment right now. But that's difficult if you haven't had practice, if you haven't laid the groundwork. And so for many of you, it's more productive, faster to go back and actually address certain circumstances that have occurred in your past, rewrite your history, heal the hurts and the wrongs that have been done. Put them in perspective to where they're no longer influencing the present moment. That is the work that I do with subpersonalities. I found these ideas and concepts, the model of subpersonalities, to be extremely productive in releasing the hurts of the past and arriving at a place where you have an authentic sense of yourself, uncolored by the happenings of the past. Now, like with anything in personal growth, there's many roads that lead to Rome. There's many approaches, many techniques. Now, inside the subpersonality model that I've developed, I utilize NLP techniques, timeline techniques, and aspects of hypnosis. 
but a person could get similar results if they engage in EFT, emotional freedom technique. There's embodiment work, there's belief change, and a variety of other techniques. No matter which technique you adopt, what's most important is cleaning up the past, developing a relationship with your personal history to where it no longer influences who you are today. By all means, you can refer to it, but it is not definitive in deciding who you are and how you express yourself in the world. If you've been listening to me for any time whatsoever, you understand that is a reactive response reacting from the past and it is not given from inner guidance or inner signals or from the perspective that you are assuming 100% responsibility for your life, for your thinking, how you're showing up. So again, I just want to represent you to the title of this podcast, You Cannot Do law of attraction any better. It is what it is. Whatever is showing up is a reflection of your mind. It is a reflection of your thinking, of how you're being, and your emotional state. The speed at which your intentions show up is in alignment with your ability to be open to receive. And so many times if we find things don't show up very timely or it takes forever for our intentions to manifest, That has to do with the blocks that we've adopted along the way. And that goes right back to the past, the past circumstances, the past ideas, the past beliefs that we've adopted along the way that we keep bringing up, recalling into the present moment. Those beliefs govern our capacity, our idea of how much we can create, how fast we can create it. Capacity is a state of mind, and it's usually given by past circumstances, We've developed an expectation based on our assessments of past experience on how fast or whether something would even come into our life. That is the idea of capacity. There's worthiness. There, am I enough? Do I deserve it? And probably one of the more important beliefs, which side of the fence do you stand most often? Am I living? Are you living in a safe universe, or do you have to be on guard? Do you have to be afraid of what's around the corner? Are you living in possibility, or are you living in scarcity? Einstein said that one of the most important decisions that we can make is, are we living in a safe universe, or do we have to be defensive in every moment? Are we waiting for the other shoe to drop? This last point and how it ties to a potential subpersonality or an earlier event in life recently came up in a conversation that I had with one of my clients. We're working specifically on subpersonalities. Now, let me set the stage here. My client is fairly successful. He's an executive in an international manufacturing concern and has enjoyed regular success. He's recently manifested several new opportunities into his life, And the thing that we just recently worked on is that he revealed that he often had a prevailing sense of anxiety and dread, that something is going to go wrong, or there is the fear that something is going to go wrong. We trace the origin of this feeling to an accident that he had, a car accident that he had when he was 21 years old. He just recently started dating this woman. They've been dating for about seven or eight weeks, I believe. And he picked her up and was taking her to work. 
a seemingly out of nowhere, a truck ran a stab sign and barreled into the car, broadsiding the car, and pushed the car into a structure, into a building. The truck had hit the car on the passenger side where his new girlfriend was sitting. It all happened in a blink of an eye. It was disorienting, and when he looked over at her, her head was completely covered in blood. Because of the force of the impact, her head had hit the passenger window, and glass had cut her head from the top of it all the way down to the side of her face, to her cheek, and she was pumping blood out of the side of her face. And as he was recounting this memory of over 30 years ago, recounting this memory to me, I could see the look of horror on his face. In his mind, it didn't just happen. It was happening right now. And that is often the case with subpersonalities, with these memories, because the other-than-conscious mind does not recognize the passage of time. When a traumatic event happens, it is sealed in our memory in that moment. And so even though 30 years has passed, in that moment, the memory was fresh. It was brand new. He made a couple of decisions about himself. He realized up until that moment, he was pretty happy-go-lucky. He was kind of living in the idea that he was invincible. But this, this event taught him that anything can happen at any moment, that he had been naive. His innocence was lost about the magic of life. Also, because he was driving, he felt responsible for her condition. I did this. And he confided in me that he had probably replayed that day a thousand times if he did it once. You know, what if I would have left five minutes later? What if I would have left five minutes earlier? I would have missed that moment in time. And so it just happened the way it happened. And there's nothing he could do now about that. And so there was this belief that something could happen beyond my control. Something could happen when I least expect it. And so he was always kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. And there was this underlying energy of anxiety that tainted everything. And that's the way it felt. It just tainted everything. After the accident, they were able to get her to the hospital. And by a stroke of luck or a stroke of magic, one of the best surgeons in the area was there. He did such an amazing job stitching up her face that today you can barely even see that there's a scar there. And because she hit her head, she has no memory of that moment. It's like a blank. But my client has been carrying the effects of that trauma or how he thought about that ever since. As he thought about this subpersonality and how it showed up, it's the fearful one, it's the worried one, the anxious one. We gave it a different name, and I referred to it as the agent of concern. Because after checking in and finding out what is the intention of this part, well, that's to keep him safe. It's to keep his family safe. Oh, I didn't tell you that. He ended up marrying this woman. And because of the level of responsibility that he accepted that day, he's been an amazing husband and an amazing father. And so these subpersonalities, even though they are sometimes born out of a tragic event, out of uh, and they have a strategy that may not work across the board in all these different contexts that we live in, the intention is always magnanimous. It's always there working for our greater good. It just has adopted a strategy that doesn't necessarily work in all the different contexts of our life. 
And so when we create an intention, that could pose fear or a potential danger from this part's perspective, and then it kicks in and quote-unquote sabotages the intention. But it's doing a marvelous job. It's keeping you safe. This points to a problem that we typically have when we start to work with subpersonalities or shadow aspects, especially when we do it on our own. We look at these parts, these aspects, and we're ashamed of it. We think it doesn't work for us. It's getting in our way. We typically don't acknowledge it as being a vital part of our self-concept, a vital part of who we are, and that in some respects it does work for us. So by renaming it and referring to it as the agent of concern, knowing that we weren't going to do away with it because it performed a valuable function, especially around his family. It actually had him show up in a responsible manner, had him show up as a man in his family dynamic. Why it got in the way is because it thought that subpersonality thought it was all by itself. If it didn't create enough worry, if it didn't create enough concern that he was, my client, would probably engage in something that would be dangerous and he would ruin his innocence all over again. What we ended up doing is creating an inner dialogue with this subpersonality. We talked to it as if it was a real person, which many of these subpersonalities do show up with a fully formed identity. So what it really wanted to do was make sure that my client was safe, that his family was safe. But when it thought it was the only one on the job, the only way it could do that is to create enough fear where it would shut him down. He would not take action. He would not participate. It was hampering his full expression in life. So what we did is we brought in some other subpersonalities, some other aspects that could work with our agent of concern. And so the agent of concern's responsibility was to bring into awareness potential problems and issues. And these other parts we brought in were to manifest or create solutions that would circumvent the potential issues. They would do that by not downplaying the concerns, pushing them aside, but actually honoring them as valid concerns, addressing them. The next part of this work that we did is we went back and addressed that traumatic experience. We went back to that moment where he was in the car and he looked over at his girlfriend at the time. I had him pull the essence, pull himself aside and have a talk with him as his future self. So the first thing you want to do is actually pace the actual experience. I said, as you look at your girlfriend, she's a mess. It looks horrendous, doesn't it? But what you don't know yet is that there is a surgeon waiting at the hospital right now that is one of the best, and he's going to stitch her up just fine. The scar won't even be visible at all. And get this, you marry that woman. You have two amazing boys. And you and I have just celebrated our 30th wedding anniversary. Having that future knowledge in that moment made the horror of that situation, of that event, disappear, dissipate. As a result of that work, what did he do? He took a spontaneous trip to the beach with his family, a trip an hour and a half away, where anything could have gone wrong or anything could have gone right. But the fear and the anxiety of the past was not there. It didn't stop him from enjoying his life. 
He actually sent me some pictures from the beach, and the pictures were amazing. Now remember, that feeling of fear and dread had been with him for 30 years. The process that I led him through was about 20 minutes. And at the end of that 20 minutes, that fear and anxiety was gone. Most people have a hard time wrapping their head around the idea that change and transformation can happen that fast. I mean, it's been with me for 30 years. It's going to take a long time, a lot of effort to get rid of this. No, just about 20 minutes in the little internal conversation. So asking the question, is your past getting in the way of you manifesting your desires, manifesting your intentions? Well, just take a look at how much of a struggle life is showing up as. Do you have thoughts from the past that seem to be getting in the way of your happiness in the present moment? It can change really, really fast if you pay attention to it. Now, I understand that most of you probably don't know exactly what to do in this, and that's why I'm writing a book, How, why I have been writing a book. I had hoped it was going to be ready by October, November, but I'm adding another layer to it. And so it's going to come out after the first of the year, probably in February, as a workbook. And preparing for the book, there's over 250 hours of direct client work that I've put behind this in the form of case studies. And I'm taking applications for a small group coaching program around subpersonalities. You'll still get to work with me one-on-one, not to the same degree as I did in the case studies, but one of the things that the case studies didn't necessarily get is that you're going to get more of an education on how you can do this for yourself. You'll learn the techniques, the strategies, the thinking behind working with subpersonalities to a deeper degree than the people in my case studies had access to at that time. The length of the program is 12 weeks, and then there'll be another three months after that that I'll give you support. So for a total of six months, you'll have access to me on a level that I probably will not repeat again. And so if you now have the sense that working with your own subpersonalities, they're your aspects of mind that have splintered off in your subpersonality that may rear their head from time to time, and you want to work directly with me on solving that for yourself. And so I suggest you hold your spot as soon as possible and send me an email to support at danov.com. That's support at danov.com. I should probably mention my working with that client. That was probably the last of about 10 different subpersonalities that we worked with. And so you have more than one. You have more than one subpersonality. And no, it does not make you mentally irregular the fact that you do have subpersonalities. Everyone has subpersonalities. It's just that for some people, their subpersonalities interfere with their intentions for their life. And for that reason, we want to integrate them back into the whole to where we're left with a feeling of being whole and complete. And so back to Jacob, you do not do law of attraction. There is nothing you can do better. Law of attraction will always work for you. It is working right now. You just take a look at everything in your life that's currently showing up, and that is the vibration, that is the frequency that you're putting out broadcasting to the world. And we're not only talking about the material things that are showing up or the material circumstances, but also your emotional well-being, your emotional state of mind. That emotional state of mind is a manifestation all on its own. And as you manifest that, 
it becomes a point of attraction for other things to come that are in alignment with that new emotional state. And so if there's anything to do, it is to make the commitment that your vibration and your energy is a priority each and every day. You make a choice to feel good. You make a choice to look at the world, to show up in a way that is the way you want to show up. You take 100% responsibility for how you're showing up day in, day out, from moment to moment. And recognize, if I continue this point of attraction, if I continue this vibration, this emotional state, what's the predictable outcome in me showing up this way? What's the long-term consequence of indulging in this thought, indulging in this feeling? Do I need to shift my emotional state? Well, that's it for this episode. Until next time, this is your friend and host, Daniel DeNovi, urging you to follow your bliss. Live your life from inner signals. Be inner directed as you engage in the epic adventure. (laughs) 